Hello, and welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. This is Sarah. Join us for bookish episodes and a monthly book club pick. This is Ashley. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod, or go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. This is Jen. Check out our Teachers Pay Teachers store, our Patreon page, and our newsletter. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to support us. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 147. This is all about spooky reads. <laughs> That's a tradition. I can't resist when I see that word. So today we are going to talk about some of the books to get your spine tingling this, this <laughs> fall season. Before we get started letting you know all about the spooky reads we have in store for you today, we want to remind you that we have a ton of content every month on Patreon. There are book to movie adaptation episodes. There are unabridged off-topic episodes. We are putting a ton of content over there. So definitely check out, check out our Patreon page. So now we are going to start the way we always get started with our bookish check-in. Ashley, what are you reading today? So I have just barely started this book, but I'm very excited to read it. This is Nick Stone's Shuri, and it is one of the, of the Black Panther novels. And I am so excited. I love Nick Stone's work, and I'm also, I also love Shuri as a character. And so I'm just really excited to start this. It seems like at, right at the beginning, it's really compelling. Again, I, I like everything about the Black Panther stories, and I particularly love Shuri's character. And so I'm just excited to get started with it. I think it's going to be great. And recently, Cosmicology had an opportunity for people in honor of Chadwick Boseman's death and recognition of all of the amazing things that he did related to Black Panther. They had an opportunity for people to, it could still be ongoing when, when this releases, but I'm not sure, for people to get the Black Panther com comics and that they were free and available to people. And so that was really cool. And so I'm looking forward to reading some of those as well. And um, yeah, so I'm, I think it'll be nice to get into that world and to do that through reading. And yeah, so again, that's Nick Stone's Shuri. I cannot wait to read that. That sounds great. Jen, what are you reading? So I am reading a book I got. I'm actually reading the e-galley from NetGalley. But by the time this episode comes out, the book will have just released. This is V.E. Schwab's The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. And it is absolutely phenomenal. So it is, it, it flashes back and forth between France in 1714 when Addie reaches the age when her parents decide that it's time for her to get married and she does not want to get married. She does not want that life for herself. So she basically makes a deal with the devil. It's an old God. And she doesn't totally realize what she's agreeing to. But basically, she agrees to, as soon as she leaves someone's presence, they forget her. They forget that she existed. And everything that she has impacted around her disappears so that there's no sign that she was ever there. So it's flashing back and forth between that situation in France in 1714 and current day New York. So she's been alive for 300 plus years and is still wrestling with the fact there's a lot she's become accustomed to, but she's still wrestling with the fact that she is just forgotten constantly. She can't really be hurt. 
she can't get sick. And so she just is this being who there's no lasting impact on her and she does not have lasting impact on anyone else. It, it is just, I don't know how I can, can convey just how fascinating it is, but the writing is absolutely gorgeous. There are so many lines that I'm highlighting as I'm reading and the story is just really, really good. So I'm, I'm not quite halfway through. I had to pause to read something for a buddy read, but I can't wait to get back to that one. That sounds great. It's yeah. really good. I, really I think both of you would like it a lot. So yeah. Sarah, how about you? What are you reading? So I'm just going to keep it real right now. <laughs> I am having a really hard time getting any reading in. So I'm still reading some of the books that I've talked about in prior episodes. Uh, one is Lamar Giles's Not So Pure and Simple. I talked about that in a prior episode and it is a YA novel. It is, it's really good. It's just that I am having a hard time finding time to read. And then the other book that I'm reading is They Are There, which is our October book club pick. It is by Tommy Orange and it follows 12 characters from native communities that are tra all traveling to this big powwow and it's all about their experiences it's it's really compelling the writing is gorgeous as jen would say mm -hmm. it's it, it, the writing is just beautiful but i am just trying to plow through those to get them read and i am not i don't have anything new to talk about and I'm sorry. That is <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> so by the time this episode releases, <laughs> this the are there there October book called club episode will have already released. It's episode 146. So be sure to go back and listen to it. And again, loving the book, just trying to to move through it so that I'm ready to discuss when we record episode 147. And to finish up our bookish check-in today, we are thrilled to share a book review from one of our unabridged ambassadors. This is Tally with her book review of Hinch. You can find Tally at Tally Loves Books on Instagram or at tallysadventures.com. And here's her review. Hi, this is Tally Loves Books. I wanted to tell you a little bit about a book I recently completed. Thank you to Harper Audio for the complimentary audiobook. It is Hench by Natalie Zena Walshitz. I'm not entirely sure I got that name correct, but it tells the story of Anna who works as an assistant to villains. She's a number cruncher. She loves her spreadsheets. She loves to do research. She lives in a world where superheroes and villains are out in the open to the world. Within this world of superheroes and villains, there are both top tier and lower tier heroes and villains and they all have entourages and staff to keep up with their, their operations running. And my favorite part, they have temp agencies, which is actually how Anna ends up getting her job. Needless to say, I really enjoyed the world building on this book. The basic premise behind the plot is that while heroes are supposed to be protecting people, the collateral damage that they do is often worse than the good that they accomplish, or arguably is. I'll leave the plot there so as not to spoil things. Overall, I really enjoyed this book. I really could see some parallels between what's going on in the U.S. today and the alternative 
universe that this book takes place in. I love that the heroine Anna in a world full of superpowers uses her brain to advance. I also love that the characters are not just one-dimensional caricatures, but rather fully developed with strengths and weaknesses as well as positive and negative aspects of their personalities. And this is for both the heroes and the villains. I do think that the book gets a little long in parts, and the ending, although not a cliffhanger, is pretty open-ended and begging for the next adventure to come along. Overall, though, I think the whole premise of the book is really smart and told with enough snark that it kept me interested throughout. I listened to the audiobook on this one and I thought the narrator was top-notch. She had just the right amount of sass and spark without being too obnoxious and I think she really helped bring the book to life. So if you're a fan of superhero movies or comics, you'll probably love this book. If you love Marvel films or DC films, you'll find this one entertaining as well. Overall, I give it a thumbs up. Thanks so much to Tally for that review. If you are listening and you're interested in being an unabridged ambassador, just check that out at our website. It's unabridgedpod.com ambassadors. All right, now we are going to each just give a pick for our spooky read <laughs> for our episode. And so I'm going to let Jen start this one. All right. So this book, I I feel like we will probably all say this. It is going to be really tough to talk about without giving spoilers, but I read this with a buddy read recently and just absolutely loved it. It is Sylvia Moreno Garcia's Mexican Gothic. And I talked about this actually on a bookish check-in. I was not very far in the book at that point, but it is, I love Gothic novels. I love the atmosphere. And so I think when you have a brilliant writer, which I think Moreno Garcia is a brilliant writer who is writing a Gothic novel, there's so much to build suspense and not knowing. And she is just a master at that. She is one of those authors who delves into all of these different genres, which I think is really amazing. And yet there's something about her style that transcends any genre. So that beautiful writing caught me right away. There's a great sense of character. So the main character is Noemi and she is a debutante in 19, I think it's 1950s Mexico. And she is at a ball one evening and her father calls her away to come home. And he has gotten a letter from the cousin she grew up with. So her cousin's parents died. So her dad raised them together. The cousin was recently married and she is writing letters to Noemi's father that basically are, she's having some sort of break with reality. Her husband is telling his, her dad that she has tuberculosis and her dad is not sure how that would cause the type of behavior that he's seeing in these letters. So basically he wants Noemi to go to this mansion where she lives to investigate and to find out what's wrong with her and probably to bring her home. So Noemi travels to this place, which is called high place. And it's in this little teeny town that used to have a lot of mines. The description of the mansion reminded me of Edgar Allan Poe's, the fall of the house of Usher. It is just 
it, it, the house almost feels like its own character in the story. So she goes in and she's not really impressed with her, her cousin's husband. He's kind of a jerk. He's being really resistant to Noemi being there at all to help. There are all these bizarre rules, like nobody's supposed to talk to each other at dinner at all. Nope. They're supposed to eat completely in silence. She's not supposed to go outside. She's not supposed to smoke. She's not supposed to go to the town, et cetera, et cetera. And she just starts realizing that there is some strange and sinister stuff going on. And she wants to leave, but she doesn't want to leave her cousin behind. And so she's in this quandary about what to do about the situation. And I feel like I probably need to stop there. But I will just say again, it is just a great example. If you like gothic novels, just that sense of elevated sort of romance and Again, the description of the house and of the people, there are some really bizarre secondary characters who just add all of this intrigue to the plot. I just absolutely loved it. So that is Silvia Morena Garcia's Mexican Gothic. I have that. I really, I can't wait to read that. Yeah, same. I'm looking forward to reading that one. And I will also say this is superficial, but the cover is so beautiful. If you are listening, just go look it up because it will probably make you want to read it right away. So, okay. Sorry to jump in. Go ahead. Ashley, what is your spooky read? (laughs) So like Sarah, I've been having trouble with reading lately and also spooky reads as listeners probably know are not my thing. They're not my thing. So I always wind up reading for this episode, but then when I read them, I do often enjoy them. The one that I am going to talk about is more, it's not really spooky. It, it has paranormal things in it. And so therefore I feel like it qualifies, but it's not bone chilling <laughs> at all, as you had said in the beginning. No spine tingles. Fine. No, spine, no spine tingling experiences on this one. So, I mean, I think, and that that seems to be where I can enjoy this genre. So I like Shea Earnshaw's stuff. I really loved The Wicked Deep, and I especially loved Winterwood. I mean, I think that those ones that have some fantasy elements and some paranormal elements I enjoy more than I do the ones that are actually creepy. And so this is Kelly Keaton's Darkness Becomes Her, and it has been on my unread shelf a long time. And so I had just been made to read it. I had my classroom library and a lot of students really enjoyed it, and I had never gotten around to it. So it's a young adult novel. It is fast moving. It is the first in a series but I did feel satisfied with the book. So I felt like sometimes I think that's relevant with series as to whether you are in it for the long haul or not. And I I would be interested in reading more of it. I enjoyed it enough to continue the series, but I also felt some satisfaction with the way that this book stands alone. So this one is set in essentially a somewhat it's kind of a post-apocalyptic New Orleans. And so there have been these horrific hurricanes that have really destroyed the community there. And it's very Southern Gothic. There's a lot of really the building, like you were talking about, Jen, like they're, you know, the build, some of the buildings have kind of their own presence. And there's just this idea that New Orleans is now outside the rim. And so there's kind of the rest of whatever is happening with America, we're, we're, we don't get a whole lot of detail about that. But basically, she's coming from the sort of mainland. And then she goes out 
into what they call new two. And it is, so the setting is really fascinating. And in that space, all of these people, people is probably used loosely here. <laughs> so like all the, you know, the, there's a lot of like, there's vampires, there are witches and warlocks. There are, so it's a lot of people who are, have magical features of one kind or another who would not fit in with sort of the regular society, have a space and new too. And that is just, all of that is really interesting and sort of the power dynamics between them are interesting. And so I, I thought all of that was really, yeah, I thought that was really compelling. And the the main character, Ari, is going there to find out about her family history. So she has been through the foster care system and has been moved around a lot and ultimately is kind of in a stable situation finally, as a 17-year-old at the beginning of the book, but she wants to find out these things about her heritage and about her parents. And so that's what leads her to make this journey to New Two. And then she gets down there. And I mean, I think it has a lot of the tropes that I think are really fun in this kind of story. And I, I was down for all of that. I mean, I thought it moved very fast. It was a lot of fun to read. It plays on some mythology, gets involved in it as well. And so it just, any, you know, if you enjoy quick reads that hit on a lot of the Southern Gothic traditions, the paranormal traditions, and even dip into mythology, I think that this book does all of that. So I really loved it. I will. So when I was, when we were at the high school together and I had the book club, some of my kids loved this book. I mean, oh, yeah, that's good. Just, yeah. So, and I remember the mythology part. I remember one student in particular was really fascinated by the connections to mythology and. Yeah, so I think that it it does rely on some tropes that I think are commonly used, but I also thought that there were a lot of twists and turns and that it came together in some really interesting ways and that the characters in it, including the secondary characters, are quite richly drawn for a book that is YA, fast moving and pretty short. And so I really loved it. I it was a great reading experience. Again, I've had trouble getting through stuff. And so it was nice to read something that was just really fast moving and fun and interesting. And so again, that is Kelly Keaton's Darkness Becomes Her. And I've wanted to read it for a long time. The cover is gorgeous speaking of covers, and the title I find really intriguing. So I've always been interested in it and just hadn't gotten around to it. So I'm glad I finally did. What about you, Sarah? What is your spooky read? <laughs> I like that when you do that. <laughs> so like Ashley, this is not one of my favorite genres to read in. And I find that I find that if I find a book that I love in this genre, like I love it and I will and I will recommend it to everyone. But it is really difficult for me to find a, a novel in this genre that I love. And so that being said, uh, over this time that we've been spending at home, I was in a huge reading slump, not unlike right now, but, <laughs> but, but in like March, April time period, I was in a huge reading slump. I could not get through anything. And I was like, I just need something that is going to grab me and be really quick and really fast. And I'm just, I need a page turner. So I have had, I have had Riley Sager's lock every door 
on my shelf for a long time. And so I was like, this is the one I'm going to read it. And it did. It, it met those needs for me. Like it was super fast. I wanted to know what happened. It was kind of creepy and there was a lot of intrigue in it and some interesting characters. And so while I would not say it's like the best book I ever read, it definitely checked all those boxes for me. And I was happy and satisfied after reading it. Uh, the book is about Jules, who is kind of down on her luck. She's broke and she needs a job. And she finds this really, so it seems, awesome job at <laughs> this old hotel in Manhattan called the Bartholomew. And she is she interviews for the job and she is offered this obscene amount of money for the amount of time that she needs to apartment sit in this particular apartment in the hotel. And so she thinks she has just hit the jackpot, but then there comes all these rules. She's not allowed to have visitors. She's not allowed to spend the night away from the apartment. She can't disturb or ask questions to the other guests, all of whom are pretty rich or they're famous in some way. So that all kind of piques her interest and she doesn't understand why. And then like Jen and Ashley both were saying, like, you don't want to, I don't want to give away too much, but if we, but basically with Jules, she starts realizing that the things at the hotel or the apartment complex aren't what, what it seems. And she starts finding all these bizarre facts out. And I will say, since we are in the middle of a global pandemic, there is some hat tip to, which I don't think Riley Sager knew that we would be in a <laughs> pandemic in his lifetime, but but there is a hat tip to uh, the Spanish flu, which was also a pandemic. And so that, that all what kind of resonated when I read it because we were kind of at the beginning of being in our homes for a long time. So there were a lot of really intriguing elements about it. And I think that if you enjoy this genre, you will enjoy it because you, I mean, I flew through it and everybody knows I am like the slowest reader ever. So I flew through it and I, I was done in a day or two. So that is Riley Sager's Lock Every Door. Yeah. I think Sager keeps getting better and better. I, I was I was tempted to recommend his book Home Before Dark, which I read this summer and that I think each book has been a little stronger than the last. So yeah, that might be a good one to get you out of a slump now. <laughs> Maybe I'll check that out. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that we have given you some options and then Jen just gave us a bonus one for Riley Sager's newest book. So let us know if you read any of these spooky reads and also if you have any recommendations for us for great books in this genre. Before we end today, we are going to do our Give Me One. And today we are going to give me one favorite thing about fall. Ashley, what is your favorite thing about fall? So something that I really enjoy is pumpkin carving. We have done that even, so I, at this point, have been married a long time. And even well before we had kids, it's something that we started doing together, my partner and I. And I think that, for one thing, I had never 
as a kid, it's not that we never carved pumpkins, but we definitely didn't have like a stencil and like the kits that make it where you can do some pretty fancy things relatively easily. And so that was really mind blowing for me <laughs> to be like, oh, we can make this design and it looks really cool. And so that has always been like, so I loved that even before we used to have big parties and we would people would carve pumpkins at them. And so um, that was a lot of fun, even pre-kids. And then of course, with little kids, pumpkin carving is a great activity. They have a lot of fun and there are a lot of things they can do, obviously, even with the, you know, even with the, they can't do the carving, obviously, but they. (laughs) You don't want your children to wield a knife. (laughs) (laughs) But they still seem to enjoy the whole process Mm -hmm. and have a lot of fun with it. And so, yeah, I think that's probably my most favorite thing about fall activities. And in general, I think the thing I like best about fall is that even though I don't love that it's getting colder and I don't love that when winter is coming, summer is definitely my favorite season, but I love all of the things that go with fall. And mm-hmm. so I do appreciate, I think it has the most seasonal activities mm-hmm. and I really like that part of it, getting to celebrate these things that only come around for the season. How about you, Jen? What is your favorite? So I really enjoy fall. I I like a lot of things about it. So I had a hard time choosing, but I am going to say I really like the fall leaves. We have a burning bush at our house that is just as gorgeous crimson color when fall hits. And when I drive to my mom's, we go over the mountain and the leaves are always beautiful. So I really just like that. And I like the plants that come with fall. Like I like mums and I like the way you know, goldenrod and sedum and all those things. I I just like the way things look in fall. So yeah, that's going to be my pick, even though there are multiple things that I could say. (laughs) How about you, Sarah? Well, I, so I love fall as well. I, I love the crispness in the air and I just love the way that I feel like fall has this smell to it. And I guess because I live, I live in a valley or we all live in a valley, but I live, but I live like kind of at the base of the mountain. So like the mountain is like right there at my house and people having fires and, you know, and doing s'mores and all of that stuff. Like I love those smells and I don't know. I just, I really like fall and I used to be a huge football fan and we fall signaled football season and my before we had kids my husband and I would go to like our like sports bars and like watch the games and all that stuff and I just always really had this fondness for fall and what it represented and and it's not it's cold it's kind of cold and crisp but not too cold like winter so I've always really enjoyed fall and I think being from the valley and like like you said Jen with the leaves and how beautiful the scenery is and all of that it makes me it, and I really have begun to appreciate where I live and having lived other places now and having come back and and mm. and decided to raise my family here um I really appreciate the beautiful scenery and the mountains and all of that so yeah. Yeah, I love fall. Okay, well, I think we gave you some things to think about for spooky reads for this fall season and also some of our favorite fall things. And we would love to know your spooky reads and your favorite fall things about fall. So definitely hit us up on the socials. We're at Unabridged Pod 
on this on all the social media and you can always comment on our website www.unabridgedpod.com we love to talk to you so definitely hit us up and let us know some of your favorites thanks for listening do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today we'd love to hear them you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UnabridgedPod or on the web at UnabridgedPod.com for a list of ways to support us. We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.